You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle podcast, episode 58. Tony and Trary, Rally North America. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, ride along with Darren as you meet Tony and Trary. Tony is co-founder of Rally North America, a group that organizes four-night, three-day, 1,000-plus-mile automotive scavenger hunts with all profits donated to a chosen charity. In this episode, you'll learn more about how this automotive travel company came to be back in 2009 and hear fun stories from the beautiful twisty roads of North America. Pack your weekend bag, fold the cue sheets, power up the GPS, and meet Tony and Trary. So let's get ready up. Hello, Cubers, and welcome back to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and tonight we are going to be talking with Tony and Trary and all things Rally North America. You can find that at rallynorthamerica.com. Scott, thanks for being here in Studio A in the shotgun seat. Thanks for having me. And I think it's called Navigator Seat. Well, yes. Tonight's interview, you're going to hear I was in Perry County, and I spent an evening at Tony's house when I met him. Spent a little time in his garage. Got to hang out with his uh, extremely cool, his uh, vintage and current day Mustang, uh, the 302, the Boss 302s. And... With that, uh, we got to talking about the Rally North America and how he's a co-founder. Uh, every team has a nickname, and, and some of the drivers have nicknames. Uh, Tony's is Danger Stang and Trary, and his <laughs> co-founder is Scott Thundergoat Spielman. Back in 2009, these two gentlemen decided they really couldn't attend some of these other different automotive rallies, and some of them were more exclusive and what have you. You've, you've heard... Uh, various names of what they go ball uh, go by gumball and and some other things, and uh, they ended up forming their own and it is now swelled quite a bit. It's been around 80 teams, and this year you'll hear Tony mention that it's now the most cars in the field at 85 and and a huge waiting list. A huge waiting list, and we are honored to be part of that and to be raising money for Camp Sunshine. If you go out to carsofcarlisle.com on the splash page up in the upper right corner we are welcoming any donation if you have a dollar five dollars twenty dollars we it all goes towards camp sunshine and you'll hear tony talk about that foundation we are trying to do our part and we'll be in car number 19 taking the vet from erie pennsylvania scott to old orchard beach maine yes beautiful so four days probably about 12 1300 miles mm-hmm. um, this automotive scavenger hunt event we're extremely excited to be part of that we are looking forward to it i mean meeting all the people all the teams it's just, i think it's just going to be fun from beginning to end driving some amazing back roads and tony puts a lot of time probably a thousand plus hours every year into getting the best uh, scenery and the back best back roads this can be all over the country They're, they've been out through the plain states they've been in the the desert area they've been in rocky mountains they've been through the ohio valley um, so always very very interesting uh, routes and seeing some of the best roads off the highway and it never occurred to me until i was listening to editing through on on your interview with him that 
all of the research that he does in terms of everything that come with the challenges throughout the day, everything trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to have your certain stops on on the rally and the challenges with it. It it would be a lot of work. It would if to, oh, to research absolutely. all the areas that we're going to and and even when Tony talks, you'll hear in the interview about deciding, okay, well, we're, we're going to stop at this town. Well, then he has to figure out the logistics and, and talk to the mayor or the administration or the borough or the, the city council and get the proper insurances and uh, variances and police escorts. And they block off the main square of town and they need to uh, find the best rates for local lodging. And it, so there are so many aspects to it that both Scott and, well, Scott Thundergoat Spielman. Yeah, not Scott Wright Seat Navigator Fickus. <laughs> Right. So with Scott and Tony put into all this, and we thank those guys for their, their hard work. This is a longer than normal interview. It's going to be, I think, what, Scott, 45, 47 minutes? minutes. Yeah. yeah. But it's worth listening to. Right. It's, so it's, listen to it the whole way through. And by that, we'll talk a little bit less on the front end, and we'll meet you on the other side. And one more point. Yes. Um, you interviewed him how far back? Yeah. So I, some of the references are. Right. Around. It was the uh, second week of April, or was okay. early April time frame. So, yeah. Okay. Good enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. So you get. These are the pictures of yeah. You always have to be in the photo. It has to be time, date, stamp. Mm, okay. Either you or your your car or gotcha. your whole team. You can okay. put your car and your team in it if you want. But okay. And that's wow. how we get points that day. How do you come up with the concept of these? I'm like, um, I typically plan these things. Like I, so Scott Spielman's the guy that that works with me on this. Okay. Um, I like to look at maps. I always have since I was a little kid. Okay. And I try to come up with the. A theme as to where we're going and what we're going to see mm-hmm. and then I try to dive into the culture and I do that all over the internet and I use Google Street View a lot of times okay to find the roads that look like they're good driving roads but as far as like the scavenger hunt stuff we try to keep it so it's something that's local that mm-hmm. you're not like I don't even know what day this is where are we going we're going from Waynesville to Rome Georgia right so there's a Cherokee reservation up there so you would have to find that road signs with a teepee Bears of Cherokee, which um, in Harrisburg, like they have the cows around Harrisburg. Mm, mm-hmm. The bears are a thing in Cherokee. So they have these statues of bears sitting out at different okay. businesses. Okay. Um, so the, we try to go with things that are regional, that are going to... I like the indigenous part of all that. That's well, really... and that's, I mean, that's part of it because Cherokee Nation's a big deal down there. The Trail of Tears is a big deal yes, down there. Yes, yes. Um, the other thing that's down there is the TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, and all the dams that are down there. Okay. So they're thrown into that. Um, and that's what we try to do. So we try to get... There's the train wreck from the movie The Fugitive is actually down there. So that's something, if you want to see it, it's sitting down there. You just have to figure out where okay. it is. Okay. It was 200 points to get it. You know, we put some TVA dams on the route card, but there's a lot down there. So there's additional ones that you could try to find. Um, and then we just threw some wildlife in here for fun. So wow. And I always put panther in, but I've yet to get one. Um, we've gotten snakes, and we've got we got a rattlesnake that year. Oof. And the guy got his face real close <laughs> to get that brave to get that hundred points. So wow. I think what it was, he stopped to use the bathroom. He stopped to take a leak. Yeah, and it, and he's good thing one leak, snake didn't hit and the, the snake. Well, he's peeing on the snake, and the snake started moving, <laughs> and he yells his wife, "Get the camera, give me my phone." And she went over. She goes, "What is a snake?" And she's like, "Stick your face closer." Uh, one, I just pissed there. Two, it's a rattlesnake. <laughs> I'm not going to stick because they'll see it. Trust me. Yeah. So, but yeah, we wow. had that. A rookie team did that on that was day three of that rally. That's <clears right>. They <throat> ended up placing third because of that photo. That's, that year we did Talladega was on our route. So how many tracks do you think 
over the years you've you've driven? I actually counted on the other day. It's like twenty three, not including drag trips. Okay. Either speedways or uh, road courses. Wow, that's so th there's a ton. I mean, and you make the when you're planning these things, they have to tie into the route. And they've got to allow for enough time. The one thing that we do, it's a little different than than other people. They'll rent a track for a day. Like most tracks, want to rent out for a day, and the cost on that is is it's not cheap. So, and we're basically running. I mean, our our company's set up as a, a for profit, and the only reason we do that is because if we tried to classify as a non profit, you're talking a few thousand dollars in legal fees to do that. Mm -hmm. So we just stayed a for profit. We make a couple hundred bucks every year, so everything's legal, and mm -hmm. we just move along. But um, we try to keep our events as low dollar entry fee as possible for our participants. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to raise money for the charity. But I kind of caught early on that if I asked them about what's going on at the track between 5 o'clock p.m. and 7, the answer is always nothing. So if we throw them a few thousand dollars, that's just extra profit. We're, gonna, we're only going to go out and do a few laps, so we're going to get in and out of there real quick. Mm -hmm. So they, they've been, a lot of the tracks have been really good to us. And um, another nice thing, I guess, uh, one family owns... We got into Talladega in 2012, and the same family that owns that track owns Watkins Glen, that owns Darlington, that owns... So once you got into one, mm -hmm. and you were, our people were always very well behaved, we're gonna follow their direction, mm -hmm. um, you get a good reference from them, it works at the other tracks. Nice. So it works out really well. That's really... So if we had to rent a track for a day, you're talking somewhere between five and $10,000, depending on the track. But if we go in, for a couple hours after the fact, mm -hmm. it's not that bad. It's, it's pretty affordable, That's so we can make it happen. Well, what's happening in 2019? 2019, start in Erie, downtown Erie. Um, I'm not gonna tell you the road okay. that we're going on, but if there will be very little highway involved in it if you, if you go the right way. Um, we're going to Ithaca that first day at the end of the scavenger hunt, the finish line is actually, actually Watkins Glen. Okay. Uh, we're all gonna do laps on Watkins Glen. The next day, we're gonna make our way over to Poughkeepsie, but nowhere near like a straight line. Um, from Poughkeepsie, we're gonna go kind of a roundabout way into Concord. And then the following morning, we have a drag strip running for two hours. So we're gonna have a quarter mile. It's um, New England driveway. So it's an NHRA, mm -hmm. full-blown, mm -hmm. nice drag strip. Okay. Uh, we're gonna run there for two hours, and then we're gonna visit Camp Sunshine, which is our beneficiary. Yes, and I, I know I've been talking to Bob. He had so much great, th so many great things to say about that. It, it's a great place. It, it's the only place in the country that brings the whole family in. Um, you know, when a kid in a family gets a, a near-death illness, the whole family gets involved in that. You know, the siblings have to mm -hmm. deal with the extra attention that's being paid to this kid. And then obviously, the mother and father have to pay more attention because the kid's sick. Mm -hmm. um, so doctor visits and hospital visits and special care and all these extra things come into play. And um, they really don't have a social life. And there's other camps around the country for kids that have... Mm -hmm illnesses sure. but they don't do anything for the other family members so this camp brings the whole family in for a week and they set them up wow. it's free room it's free board um, they specialize they have different what they call sessions so they specialize on a different illness on different weeks they'll bring in specialists to talk to the family about any new uh, things that are developing in the in that field or in, in with that illness as far as from a medical standpoint um, the kids just have fun 
I mean, they're a camp. They canoe and swim and volleyball and tennis and everything else. Well, talking to Bob in episode 49, he was explaining that <clears throat> the epiphany of you'll have a child that's suffering from something, they think they're the only one around that has it. Right. So same with the parents. And then they come to Camp Sunshine and they realize, wow, we're not alone. They can actually relate to one another. They can right. Talk, and, well, share. and I kind of relate. Like, my wife was diagnosed with MS in 2011, right? So it's, and um, she's actually, her side effects are minor. She hasn't had another episode. And I got to knock on wood, thank God. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you tell somebody that, you have that, and if they actually are, have a genuine concern, you have that five minute dialogue of, going through what it is and how it works and you know how things have changed over the years and and all that and none of these families have that because they're all in the same boat when they get there they all know exactly what's going on yeah they know all the different procedures they know everything that they're going through so yeah it does help and and i know from speaking to some of these families that when they leave camp that relationship that they built that week goes on year after year they stay in touch with each other they visit each other yeah they do things together so yeah, it's a nice thing. Nice. It's a good place. Well, that's one of the things when talking with Bob, it's just that I they got me into the whole. I obviously would love to be a part of of Rally North America for the driving part. But when he explained some of the things, all the good work for the uh, fallen officers and some other things, it's there's just a lot of benefit happening, altruism happening as a result of your your crew. Well, thank you. Um, when Scott and I, Scott Spielman is my co-organizer. When we started this thing, we actually. Well, we started over like four cases of beer, I think. Okay. <laughs> there was nine. And we planned a little drive to Ocean City, Maryland, of all places, mm-hmm. which was like, and it was along the New Jersey Turnpike, which if I think about now, is like, the hell was I think? Like, that's the worst place in the world you could possibly drive from. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we looked at what was out there for people that actually, that like to drive their cars. And, and you know, the, there's the car show scene that's out there, and a lot of guys love that, and that's fine and dandy, but... Um, I I always say if I want to sit behind my car in a chair, I can do that in my garage. I don't need to go to a hot piece of macadam. You don't need to pay twenty five dollars. No, and and trophies. I had a when I was younger, I went to car shows and I had this trophy bin, and it was literally a bin that if I won something, I just throw it in the trophy in the bin. Uh-huh. Um, so, but going on racetracks and driving drivers' roads, that certainly appeals to me much more so than yeah. than the car show thing. But when you looked at what was out there, you had like gumballs and the bull runs and the, these high-end events that were ten to twenty thousand dollar entry fees. Uh, there was, and they all said they did something with charity, but there was no. I, I've never seen a somebody handing somebody a big check, or I've never seen a. A direct donation website which is that's what we do so if someone makes a donation to one of our teams they do it right through that charity's website it has no affiliation with us and I've never seen a total where this charity is actually getting something mm-hmm. and those events seem to be more about being seen as opposed to seeing things mm-hmm. it was more about let's go to Miami or let's go to New York City or let's go to DC or let's go to Philly and we're going to drive on the highway as fast as we can to Pittsburgh, right? Um, I hate driving on the highway. It, it mm-hmm. grates me. It, to mm-hmm. get behind two tractor trailers on a road that yeah. was put on what the federal government or the state government deemed to be of no other good use other than to put a highway on because that's where they put those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense. So 
uh, we decided let's go on these drawing roads. Let's put these checkpoints, these scavenger hunt things in place. Um, we'll bring some tracks in and I don't need any extra money. You don't need any extra money. Let's just look at what the thing's going to cost us. Divide by the number of people that are going to go and let's tie this charity thing into it. Let's, let's make sure that they're donating money directly to a good cause. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe this will be a, a neat event. Maybe. What year was that? Four cases of beer? That got this summer, or, yeah, summer of 2009. So 2010 was our first real event. Okay. So we did Route 66, and we had maybe 30 cars leave Joliet, Illinois, and drive to Amarillo, and we had maybe 15 cars leave LA and drive to Amarillo, and we kind of met in the middle and had a big party. That was our first like official thing. And I think we raised like $7,000, and we're patting each other on the back, hey, this is great, and... Um, I made the comment at our trophy ceremony um, that if you guys keep raising money like this, I'll keep spending the time. And, and I looked at Scott, and Scott goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Because Scott was individually cutting every decal wow. at his house. Wow. So you cut them, and then you peel them out, and you got to do this. And he does all the stuff that I can't stand. That I, if I had to do, with it wouldn't exist anymore, like accounting uh, spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, dealing with insurance companies, uh -huh. stuff that just is like a cheese grater in my face kind of thing. <laughs> Scott does, and does it with a smile on his face. Does have, hey Scott, you need to do this. Okay, yep, I'm on it. Yeah. Um, but that was our first event. And then the next year it was 17,000, and I made the same comment. And then the next year it was uh, 45,000. And then we, I came up with this idea, and I ran it by Scott. I said, what if we slotted the first 25 cars by donation amount. In other words, they leave first because they raise the most money. Yeah. Do you think that would be something that these folks would be receptive to? Well, let's try it. So we did that, and that year we went up to 93,000. So we went to like this real big leap. Wow. And that was 2013. That was our first year with Camp Sunshine, so it was a good charity. And um, last year it was $221,000 for concerns of police survivors that helps the families of fallen police officers. So now I'm kind of jam. I'm not going to be able to not do that. That's right. <laughs> I have to keep doing this, and Scott has to keep doing it because uh, it's doing a lot of good work for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we see a lot of stuff that no one ever sees. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, mm -hmm. we I spend probably a thousand hours working out the route, making sure that the places we're going to go are okay with us coming in, mm -hmm. understand what day we're coming in, around what time. Uh, when you block off a downtown section of the starting line, you've got uh, permits you have to go through. You have all these different hoops that they're going to mm -hmm. want you to jump through. They want a certificate of insurance in case someone drives into the fountain. Mm -hmm. um, all these different things that you have to go through. But uh, we've raised over a million dollars as a as an organization. That's um, incredible. And direct donations, not right. they're not giving the money to us, and we give it to them. It goes directly to the charities. That's so. Cool. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's a lot of good. It's it's rewarding at the end of the day. Yeah. So it really is. So. And you've seen some incredible things along the way. Well, and I'm going to put a qualifier on that. They're all things that I wanted to see because I'm I'm making the route right. <laughs> um, and I always tell it's people, your toy box. Yeah. Pretty pretty much, yeah. Um, I think I do a good job though because eighty percent of our teams come back year over year. We have people that if they skip a year, they're back the next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have people that haven't missed a year wow. so uh, since we started, since they go back to like 2010. 
you're, is it August when you guys leave? We leave in July. So it's July. every, we try to go the second week of July typically. Okay. And the timing for that is intentional because every place you're going to go to is busy the 4th of July week. Mm -hmm. um, we always leave on a Sunday and we typically end on a Thursday. And the reason for that is if I call a property and try to get a good group rate for our people, and I'm talking about a Monday night in Ithaca, I know they have they have rooms. Mm -hmm. And I know also I could play three or four hotels against each other right. to get the group rate way down. Right. Um, whereas if I call it on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, they're already booked and they could care less if we come or not. And so, you do a 85 cars, 80? This year we're doing 85. This is the most cars we've ever taken. Okay. So before our old record was like 80. So typically it's around 80, something like that. and. We'll have a couple of little drop out like right near the end. Mm -hmm. um, but right now we've got 85 teams in and our waiting list is 40 deep. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. So it, this year has been wow. up pretty quick. Wow. Now, entrance fee that covers accommodations and. No. no. Doesn't cover. Okay. <laughs> entrance, entrance fee covers. Now, we have a television show. Mm -hmm. Okay. And. Um, That's MAP TV, right? It's on MAP TV, but someone's got to make that television so you have camera people and a producer and an editor and mm -hmm. the and um, sound people and so there's a cost there uh event insurance is, as you can imagine is not cheap when you, you, you so we have to get a specialty uh insurance package for this and that covers our starting lines and it covers myself and scott as organizers in case there's lawsuits and uh, we also need that for tracks some tracks have a higher umbrella or event insurance so we've got to buy additional insurance on top of that um, it covers the decal kits it covers um, the permit fees we have to pay and and our list of accounting things mm -hmm. like I said Scott does that but mm -hmm. I look at it yeah. and it's pretty lengthy um, we got to ship all those decals out to mm -hmm. all parts and some folks from Canada mm -hmm. so all that stuff gets shipped out so it basically covers the the event itself and the cost of the event and your participation in it so the, the folks are on the hook for their meals, their gas, and their rooms. Gotcha. But we, I do work diligently to get nice properties at a very discounted price. Locker rooms, fair price. Right, yeah. I, I, we will typically work, and like I said, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, no property anywhere USA is sold out. They just aren't, unless there's a big concert in town or something sure. like that. Yeah. But. Um, we try to go in on those dead nights and we play four or five properties against each other and let them beat each other up and, mm -hmm. and get a good price at a good property and, and lock it in. Okay. So Very that's cool. how that works. What, uh, and I know when we're out, we were talking around the, the cars and everything, it's a really difficult question. It's probably more of a hybrid and maybe it's something you can't really answer, but are there moments over the, over those years that just stand out as far as just uh, things that you'll take with you to your end of, end of days. Just absolutely. Some amazing moments. Yeah, there absolutely is. I mean, okay. and you'll talk to anybody, Glacier National Park is one of those, if you're, you can see it in photos and you can see it on television. Mm. But when you're standing there, um, it's just, you're all struck. I mean, the, the, it's a majestic place and it's, you can't describe it to somebody. You have to experience it. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2013, when we drove into Camp Sunshine, and we had no idea they were going to do this, but we're driving in, and those kids handmade signs for every team that was coming into camp that day. 
So as you turn the corner, there's a mile-long road that said, thank you, team, you know, like my team's Team Danger, and that's kind of a joke, but uh, <laughs> it said, thank you, Team Danger. And you could tell it was made by, you know, a 10-year-old. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's another sign with another team's name and a flower on it, or another sign with, with a little kid, you know, stick figure on it. Right. And um, a lot of guy, a lot of big, tough guys were were in tears going in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice like that. Um, we've run into people out and about that see the decal on the car and know the charity, and they'll just pull money out of their pocket and say, can you make sure this goes there? So those kind of things. We had a, somebody donate $500 this fall to a team. Just $500 cash. Just gave it to them. And said, make sure this goes to cops. Um, my brother-in-law was involved in a, and it said he was a trooper and he got killed. Mm-hmm. And cops was there for the family. So those things are impactful. Um, and then you have all the roads. Mm-hmm. So all the roads. Street View is a glorious thing if you're looking for a good driving road. You really can find them. Mm-hmm. To be able to take that little guy on Google Maps and drop him on a street and then see do a 360 view yeah. and then just kind of scoot along for four or five miles, yeah. you see those nice... And then when you go out there and drive that road, you know, it's like... It's all man. familiar. Right? Yeah, this is... This, this is, is how I saw it on That was computer. accurate. That was... Uh-huh. This is what I thought it was going to be. Or it's better. Or it's better. Um, so, yeah, there's different moments over, over the years that that stand out. Um, we've, I've yet to go on an event where I thought this didn't really, this whole thing was a mess. That hasn't happened yet. Good. Uh, hopefully it and never I doubt happens. it will, yeah. yeah. I doubt it will too. Yeah. Um, when you throw the racetracks in there and the drag strips in there and um, the cultures, the different places you go. Sure. Um, I was on a place, stopped in a place on Route 66 for directions. And it was an old service station. But it was still operating. The gas pumps were shut down just like every other yeah. service station. Um, it was in, in Kansas, in the little section of Kansas where 66 cuts in. And uh, asking for directions, and I looked up on the wall and I saw a picture of Sammy Davis Jr. And I said, oh, that's cool. And the guy goes, I said, that's out front. And the guy goes, yeah, that's my dad standing with him. And this guy was probably 80. That was okay. telling me the story. Okay. So that's my dad standing with Sammy Davis Jr. He uh, came through town uh, when the road first opened, had an issue with his car, but some of the other mechanics in town didn't want to talk yeah, to him, right. right? Yeah. So his dad brought him in, found out what was going on with the car, couldn't get the parts the next day, and he asked him, and this was before Sammy Davis Jr. was Sammy, this is before anybody knew who he was. Okay. Um, couldn't get the parts the next day. Um, he said, well, where can I stay at in town? He goes, I got an extra room in the back if you, you're okay staying here. So he said, you don't have to do that. He's like, look, the wife's already cooking a meal. I got the parts coming in. We're going to have your road first thing in the morning. You might as well just stay here. So Sammy Davis Jr., before he was anybody, stayed at this guy's house. And um, got done with the car. He paid him. Got him back on the road. Told him he was going to Hollywood. And, okay, yeah, great, whatever. And, uh, you know, look us up if you're ever back in town. And that was it. And then, like... Ten years later, Sammy Davis Jr. is now a big star, right, right. and he stopped back in and and said hi to the guys. They ate again. They took pictures. All that stuff happened. Wow. So I mean, that's the kind of things that if you're, it's instead of going down the old Route 66, if you went down 44, which runs parallel to it, you don't know these kind of things. Yeah. You don't see. You don't meet these people. You yeah. don't see these things. The mystique of the road and all that. Those stories are out there, and 
every one of our teams has one, one of those types of stories mm. uh, that they run into somebody or something or the history of the place, and they get a personal connection with them. That's so great. we met uh, the great-grandson of Kit Carson at a fort in Colorado. <laughs> so he was he's actually, I actually arranged this because I called out there, it was called Fort Bent. And uh, I was just looking for some place of interest to stop. Yeah. And I called the National Park Service who ran the fort and said, what's going on with the fort? I have this group of cars. We're, we're sightseers, basically. And mm-hmm. I'd like to have them stop in. Is What's the entrance fee? Is you know, yeah. what's? Oh, no, it's free. You can come in. And I said, well, what's to see there? What, what do you guys have that's interesting? Well, we have the only living uh, human that's an attraction at a national park I said what do you mean <laughs> he said Kit Carson's great grandson lives on property in a teepee and has a garden out there and rides a horse into town every day and he lives here at the park that's neat and I said well does he meet people he's all the time I said would he meet our people sure wow. so he was the checkpoint so he's a living wow. person was the checkpoint that's so, phenomenal yeah so there's things like that that just happen that just happen Mm-hmm. As as we're calling around, mm-hmm. so, uh, but those things kind of stand out. Well, if you would tell the Cars of Carlisle uh, podcast uh, audience fans about uh, and that trip you were taking with your daughter and how you, being a kind of almost a, a you could have been a cartographer and you love you appreciate maps and sometimes you just say I'm going to go here and how do we get there? Yeah, that's my wife is not a big fan of Google Maps, but I I've always liked maps since I was a little kid. So when I was in geography class. I'm staring at the maps because I'm looking at the... And then when we got Google Maps, or actually it was MapQuest before that, mm. I'd look at these different roads that just went off somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, where's that road go? And um, probably four years ago, I thought, I know that you can go to the Arctic Circle if you're west of the Mississippi, but I don't know if you can do it east of the Mississippi. And then I kept looking and dr- drilled down. And there's a road that's above Ottawa and it's above a place called Matagami and it goes along the James Bay Road. It's called the James Bay Road. It goes along James Bay, which leads into the Hudson, which leads into the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> and I saw this little ribbon of road going probably almost 500 miles due north, wow. east of the Mississippi. And so I started looking into it. The road's called the James Bay Road. And it's it was built by the Canadian government to build a hydroelectric dam project. That's the only reason that road's there. It's traveled by no one no one's if you're on the James Bay Road you're probably not gonna there'll be stretches of 45 minutes to a half an hour where you won't see another car in any direction and I said to my daughter we ought to drive that road she goes where's it go I said it goes almost to the Arctic Ocean did you take the 302 no 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 there's there's pictures of potholes of this road and if you you Google James Bay Road and image search it you'll see potholes with guys standing in the pothole up to their neck so and it's it's just not they'll service it but it's, what did you rent i drove my truck i drove oh, my f my own f-150 up right. and uh that's what we wanted so we went in the okay. truck but we went far enough north that when we woke up the next morning there was snow on the ground okay. in june so <laughs> um my we actually took another we got to the end of the road and then went a little bit further in because we wanted to get over to the water uh and then there was another road that went another 90 miles northwest, and that actually was as far as you could go. There was no other, mm-hmm. this is a dirt road, but I thought, ah, it's 
Mm. Stone Road, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So we can take that. Um, Academically speaking, yes. right? We got into that, and uh, then my daughter went for a swim in the in water where there you can see snow caps on the hills around it. And she said, "This is as close as I'm getting the Arctic Ocean. I'm going in." Good for so, her, right? I went into my knees. That was enough. Wow, so, she's brave. But uh, yeah, she went in, went for a swim for two minutes, ran back out, got a towel. I said, "How was it?" She said, "I've been in colder." I'm like, what are you talking? There's ice on right, the water. Right, <laughs> right. But uh, it's just, it's just, you see a road and you think, I, you know, no one travels that road. Somebody should. It's mm-hmm. there. Why mm-hmm. not drive it? Mm-hmm. So we saw a bear up there. Uh, we saw some fantastic waterfalls up there. Um, we got to meet uh, the, I guess they're Native Americans. They call themselves um, One Nation. It's up in Chisasabi. And those folks were just completely floored that people from Ohio and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. were in their town because they never, they don't see these people. They don't right. come up there. Right. Um, they gave my daughter a jacket um, and right off a truck. Guy goes, oh, you got to have this. You got to go back Aww. to the States and tell people, yeah. we make these jackets. Our people make these for our people. Okay. But your people would buy them if they saw them. So take this back. Yeah. And I'm like, what do I owe you? He's like, nothing. Just take it. Promotional. Right, and I and we got back. I looked at this jacket. That man, that thing's really nice. That looks like a really warm jacket. So I was going to buy one for myself. I looked it up. It was like four seventy five Canadian dollars for the jacket. So I still didn't put that on purchase yet. That's <laughs> I probably will get one. It's it's a really cool jacket. It's very nice. Well, it has to be warm. I mean, it's for pragmatic purposes. There's right. no way around it. Right. Well, they you know you're when we were up there in June, the sun never actually set. It just mm-hmm. kind of got twilight and then came right back up again. Mm-hmm. So they've got that, you know, three months of summer and then winter starts all over again. But it was snowing in June. We drove out of there, it was snowing. Wow. So, yeah, it was crazy. That's amazing. And we weren't, I know it, other people hear this and say, well, I see snow in June because I'm at uh, 14,000 feet in the Rockies. Well, sure you do. This is almost at sea level mm-hmm. in June. <laughs> so yeah. you're pretty far up there when you see snow. And there. it's not just capping in the mountains. It's all over right we were we were at the bay level so you can look out the window and see the bay so it's not as if we were at elevation we were at sea level and it's snowing so it's incredible well you obviously are a ford guy and yeah two yeah. mustangs in the garage have you did you come out with octane high octane in your blood or have you always been a car guy uh i traded a schwinn when i was 13 for a 73 toyota corolla okay so i'd say yeah okay. and i used to drive nice. it Drive it like Dukes of Hazard style in the cornfields behind my house. <laughs> so that's how I learned to drive. So, okay. you know, the, and that car was a four speed, so it was a stick right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told my dad, I'm trading my bike on a car. He goes, Well, you can't drive it on the roads. I said, Look, look back there, this there's great. miles of cornfields out here. I can certainly drive it there. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what I did. So, and, um, so, and ever since then, I've been hooked. So I've had. Well over a hundred cars in my life. Though. Okay. So yeah. Any standouts worth uh, talking about? I don't know. I mean, I've I have Fords now. I had Grand Nationals. I had two different Grand Nationals. Um, I've had Super Bs. I've had Torino Cobras. I've had uh, Javelins. I've had mm-hmm. Ramblers. I've had mm-hmm. uh, just a, a litany of mostly American cars. I've had a couple of RX Sevens. I had a Toyota Supra. Not the the high dollar Supra, the the yeah. one that blue had gasket Supra. Right, right. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've always had something. 
So there's always been some sort of a car, um, you know, tucked away that I would drive. It's hard not to once you once you have the fever. It's the, yeah, you have to, and that's. The, I'm getting to the point. I've restored a lot of cars in my life, and I'm to the point now where I just don't. I'm 54 now, and the thought of sitting out there with a block sander is just not that mm-hmm. appealing anymore. Mm-hmm. But I know if the right thing comes along, right, I'll be right back in it. Well, what so. I really appreciate, Tony, is just the love of driving. Um, we we respect all you know everybody with their their way of the hobby and how much they enjoy things. But I think it's really cool to see people that don't have a problem like you know, Bob talking to him about his SRT to maybe put two, three, four, five thousand miles on their vehicle in a given you know week or two weeks of of an event. It's it's there to be enjoyed. I I, I, I mean my philosophy is and. And then no disrespect to the guys that don't put any miles on their cars. I understand that. I understand it's an investment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe at some point you want to return on that investment. But at the end of the day, it's a car. And no one's going to... You can't... I, I guess they can put you in it and drive you into a grave. But you can't <laughs> take that car with you. Right. So if you're saving it, you're saving it for probably somebody else. Right. And life's short. So... Right. If you have a car that you like to drive, you know, just drive it. Mm-hmm. Don't don't shine it all the time and, mm-hmm. and sit back and look at it or be afraid to get out in the rain with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to get chips, and yeah, it's going to... But that's... I, I, I see those cars on... You, you see cars on, on the Internet. The guy... This is an original car. It's got 500 miles. And it's just a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. And probably the guy that purchased that car knew that would have had the most fun with it is the one that never drove it. Right. And he's probably not with us anymore, right. which is even worse. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I I I love to drive them, and I'll drive them, and by the time I'm done with them, if somebody ought to restore it, cause it's, <laughs> it's pretty well wrong out. Right, right. Um, but you know they, they keep making cars. That's so. right. That's right. There's always going to be. And, something he, else. and if you like the car enough, if you're attached enough to it, you can. They'll paint them. They'll redo yeah. them. You can get it done again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like to drive it. And that's that's kind of the idea behind our events is that it gets you good seat time behind the wheel, off the highway, on the road you'd want to drive in uh, if you were to plan it out. It's right. just we plan it out for you. Right. So. And just the fact that looking at just uh, you know, the note sheet for one day, it's so it's the best of all worlds. It's the, it's the fact you get to drive, you get to see things you've never seen before. It's the you feel like a kid again as you're trying to, you know, find these things, figure out the, the puzzles, the riddles, and whatever it might be, and and you're competing against others. So, to me, it's, it's well, the best the, of all worlds. Yeah, the competition's there if you want it to be. We do have scavenger hunt. We do give out first, second, third place each day. Mm-hmm. I'd say on any given day, at the beginning of the day, probably sixty percent of our group is into the scavenger hunt. But when they make a wrong turn and go twenty miles the one way, or they decide they want to stop for lunch. It's over, and yeah. they're just sightseeing. But yeah. if they continue to follow the route card, they go to the checkpoints that I've laid out for them, they're going to have a nice drive. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the back country. They're going to see the history of the place. They're going to uh, go by historic buildings. They're going to get tied into the culture of the area. Yeah. Um, it, it, you really get that. You, you become a, a more well-rounded, you have a better understanding of what's going on with the United States mm-hmm. when you're out there mingling with the other people that live out there and I know there's a lot of preconceived notions about this part of the country or that part of the country mm-hmm. or uh, different parts of the country 
Um, I know they have their nuances. They have the things that are maybe a little bit different about them. But at the end of the day, they're all people. And if yeah. you engage them, um, there's a lot, a lot of really interesting stories out there. And people are... One thing I always try to be very careful of is at a show or something, never saying something negative about someone's car in front of them. And also, when you're visiting a, any new place, it's home to someone. That's exactly right. And for me, I wouldn't want someone leaving a steaming turd on my front porch because they think I live in a, a different area or a too small of a house or a podunk little village or whatever it might be. But it's home to me, and I have to always respect that it's home to them as well. Yeah, you should do that. I, and I, I think our group gets that they're visitors when they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's some of the common... But we have all different makes and all different models and all different walks of life and all different ages and all different sexes. And yeah. Our group is very diverse, but there's some commonalities. They, they have a sense of adventure. They want to try to mm-hmm. see where we're going to send them. Mm-hmm. Um, they want, they're altruistic. They want to do something good for charity. And you met Bob, and that guy is... Oh, he's amazing. He, he lives and breathes doing something yes. for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and, and they want to get out and see other parts of the country. Yeah. And, 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 and what an amazing country you live in. Right. So they, every place... We've yet to have a team that disrespected the people that we've gone out and visited. And we go to those small... We went to a place in Rom, it's Romney, West Virginia, which... A lot of people haven't heard, but they have trains that go through there. And um, gorgeous town. Um, we've been in, uh, I think, some of the places. Um, this past summer, we were in Eureka, Nevada. Uh, Eureka, Nevada has some new construction there, but a lot of the buildings were just repurposed. So the opera house is from the late 1700s or late or mid-1800s, I'm sorry. Uh, the courthouse is from the mid-1800s. All these, and it, that was one of those gold rush towns. They found mm-hmm. gold, so they built the town up, and then mm-hmm. gold ran out, and everybody left. Mm-hmm. But all of, some of the people stayed, and the people that stayed just are they're proud of that community. It's a, it's a really cool town. Um, but like that's one of the, the probably the most memorable thing about probably North America for me is the people that I've met through all the different travels through the Midwest and out in the in the in the desert areas and up in the mountains and out down in the Appalachians and sure. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what I started the podcast about. It was the car community, the car culture. Uh, the, the vehicles we all talk about and are proud of, they're all incredible. But it, the people themselves, you said it very well. You come from every walk, background, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you love cars, you love being around them, other car people, It's that's a special thing. Yeah, it's it's... They said, we have these young college kids that are hanging out with a guy. We had a guy that was 73 in Colorado, uh, wore a wig, and he didn't care. Everybody knew he had a wig. He'd take his, he was going sideways sometimes, yeah. and yeah. like back the other way. Um, but he's hanging out with the college kids, and they're around the parking lot drinking beers, talking about cars, and they're driving a Beamer, and he's in a, in a, a newer butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he had a great time, and we loved having him. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. At the end of the day, they're all car people. And if, you know, we talked out in the garage a little bit about cars that break down. Um, I know if a car has an issue and there will be somebody that has issues this year, there always is. That whole group will pitch in wherever they have to. Someone will source parts. Someone else is, mm-hmm. you know, wrenching on this while someone else is wrenching on that while someone else is running the core back to the parts store. And it happens pretty quickly. Um, get We get things done somehow. Yeah. When no one's <laughs> no one's local. That's pretty cool. But it gets done. 
So yeah, they're that camaraderie. You can't buy that. That's that's something that's pretty special. No, you can't. And, and I always I wondered early on if we were going to have clicks. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like in high school where you have these. Mm-hmm. Are the import guys going to stay with the import guys? <laughs> right. The GM guy is going to yeah boo the four guys. How's this? It didn't happen. I mean, it just doesn't happen. They all get along really well with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big family in a way. It is. And the new people that come in, I think they're always taken aback by how welcoming our group is. Mm-hmm. But I guess they figure, well, if this guy's or gal or whoever it is is willing to jump in their car and drive, they don't even know where, right. except for the, the finish lines, right. um, they got to be okay. So we're right. welcome to the group. That's right. Um, but yeah, it works out. It's a pretty cool thing. Well, the, to wrap up, is there anything, ways that... Uh, Cubers or the fans of, the, of this podcast can find and learn more about you. Maybe just uh, your website, Instagram, Facebook, or any, any th- things that they could just, if they wanted to learn more about Rally North America. It's rallynorthamerica.com. Uh, Facebook is Rally North America. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing, if they felt uh, any kind of altruism out of this thing, they wanted to give a little bit. If you go to rallynorthamerica.com, you can find our team's donation page. Uh, you can go in there, find a list of teams that you could throw $5 or 10 or mm-hmm. 1000 or whatever, mm-hmm. loose change you have laying around, uh, and that money goes directly to Camp Sunshine, so that would be nice. Um, but you can navigate that through rallynorthamerica.com. Um, we do have a drives event this fall. That is also sold out. Scott is talking about doing a, yet a third event. Um, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Two years is too much, but I'll help him plan it. So okay. I, uh, I know the route will be a good route. Okay. Um, our drives events are a little different than our scavenger hunts. Our drives events are one price. It's a lower number of cars. It's more track intensive. So we put a track in every day. Okay. Um, and Bob's going to be, Bob skipped the rally this year for the first time. He's still raising money because he's Bob, but he's going on our drives events. So okay. this year we've got VIR tied in. We've got a drag strip tied in. We've got Road Atlanta tied in. And there's only 25 cars, so you'll be able to spend your, your our two hours at a track. If you want to be out there the whole two hours, you're able to do that, which is which is pretty nice. That is amazing. And yeah. that's a four-day, five-day event? It's, it's, a, it's a four-day event. Um, it's one, like I said, it's one price. They're, tip, they're a little more upscale properties. We throw in dinner. We throw in breakfast. Um, we'll throw in a couple of tours along the way. Uh, and we... And all the track times done as well. Okay. But we, we did that because we have we just developed some track junkies through doing the scavenger hunts. Uh, we also throw a donation in as well. So we're going to donate money back to, to the charity on that one as well. Um, but we got these track junkies. They're like, if we could just... You have 85 cars, so you can only get out there for you know two, three-lap segments or something yeah. like that. Yeah. When we rent a track on this thing, there's 25 cars. Well, they're big tracks. So you just go, you know. I still only suggest on a street-driven car four to five hot laps because mm-hmm. your brakes are going to start to fade mm-hmm. and your pedal's going to get soft mm-hmm. and your braking point's going to change from lap five as what it was from lap one. So I still recommend go out, do four or five laps, come in, don't put your handbrake on because it might get stuck. Um, let the car cool down for 10 or 15 minutes and go back out. Mm-hmm. But you get to go back out for five or six sessions as mm-hmm. opposed to just two. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a little more fun that way too. That's incredible. 
Well, you know I'm all over the site. We've talked <laughs> talked by phone, and I'm going to have to get on the waiting list from now until whenever, but I, I want to be part of this. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I tell people, we have a video link on our website, and people can see the videos. So um, Matt Farrah from Smoking Tires done a video. Rob Freddy from Super Speeders did a video. David Patterson's done a couple videos for us. Um, so a lot of the YouTube guys have been on our events and have done videos from their perspective. Um, there's a video out on Amazon dot, on the Amazon Prime. It's called the Great American Road Rally, okay. and there was guys that uh, that was a first time thing. There was four of them. They took a camera guy and some audio guys, and they said we're going to do this from a new person's perspective. We don't want to know anything. Yeah. And the checkpoint mm. list for that day had seven checkpoints, and my scavenger hunt list was probably fifty pieces deep. And as soon as they saw that, they were just lost. Wow. And, um, but if you watch that, you'll see it from a new person's perspective. And that day we ended, our last checkpoint was the Flight 93 Memorial. We actually were in PA, which kind of put a real somber mm-hmm. end to the day. Mm-hmm. And those guys are running around all day trying to, let's find this and let's go that. And when Lincoln Highway markers are worth this, and they're mm-hmm. trying to find all these things along Lincoln Highway. And then they got to that and it, they said, you know, we need to spend some time here. Mm-hmm. And they ended up coming in late the first day and gave up all the points that they went running around. But if you go somewhere like that, and they were from Georgia, so they, it's not like they were coming back. No. Um, it'd be foolhardy to just run in and run out. Right. So they spent the time there and enjoyed their time there. Oh, nice. So got the full experience. So. And I think everything, all your events, that's what it's really about. You are experiencing your car. You're experiencing the culture. You're seeing new places, meeting new people. Uh, driving roads and tracks and courses and strips that you may not ever have a chance to do. I mean, right. it's it's kind of a, a bucket list thrown into a single week. It's, right. It's well, it's a bucket list you can do every year if you're if you're quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, for me, life life's too short not to get out and experience these things. To just mm-hmm. it, it's there. You just have to drive it. You just have to go out yeah. and see it. If the, I know a lot of people like to fly, like I'm going to fly to San Diego. And they miss all the stuff between where they live at and San Diego. And there's a lot of things that happen mm-hmm. uh, along the way, and they just don't see that. They, they get a little snapshot of whatever that destination is, and that's it. That's, that's right. all they see. That's right. And it's unfortunate. So. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. I have loved nice meeting the, the evening spending it with you. And we'll throw it back to the studio. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Tony and Trary. We're going to uh, definitely look forward to being on the road with him coming up here in early July when we are in my vet and we will be with those 84 other teams spending some time uh, not only on some beautiful roads, but we're going to be at Watkins Glen. We're going to be at the uh, New England Drags, so it'll be really cool. One mention of the vet, as you say that, have you shared that that is the new Cars of Carlisle right. vehicle. Yes. I don't know that you have. No, this, so let's make that the reveal. The 2013 BRZ has been supplanted by a 2006 Corvette Z06. C6 generation. There you go. Got it. So yeah, that will have, uh, in fact, the, the rev that you hear. That is off from the 427 cubic inch that's now in, in the opener of the Cars of Carlisle podcast. And the goal of Rally North America is to raise money for a deserving charity. And the, for 2019, it happens to be Camp Sunshine, and Camp Sunshine had been in, in the past as well. But the cool thing is that all the money that is raised by all these teams 
goes directly to the charity itself. And Camp Sunshine, we didn't really, Tony talked a bit about the, the history of that. It was founded in 1984 and it is happens to be in the beautiful Sabago Lake area in Maine. And uh, Anna Gould, as well as Dr. Larry Gould, they donated their land, their facilities, and they have now created something really from bare bones. Uh, from 1984 forward, they had providing a place for 43 children with cancer and their families. That was back in June of 1984. It has continued to grow. And Scott, you know someone that actually benefited from all the goodness that uh, and the altruism that uh, Camp Sunshine puts out there. I do. It's kind of a small world because until I heard about the, I mean, you were talking about oh, the Rally North America, and then you were mentioning about the uh, the charity that they were supporting this year, in addition to have done it other years. And, and I am friends with a family that actually benefited from it. It was, I'm going to say, probably close to 10 or 15 years ago. And they still, as a family, uh, donate their time and volunteer, I think, a couple of full weeks each year off and on. Um, and they have only had just wonderful things to say about it throughout all of the years. And uh, the nice thing about it is, all like as Darren mentioned, all the money goes directly to Camp Sunshine that is raised through Rally North America. And the program for these families is free then. So they, uh, you know, right. all the families are sponsored by individuals or civic groups or mm-hmm. or foundations or this money that's raised through donations. So it's really a great program. And I think you have made a good point there, Scott, because let's say that a seven-year-old, I'm using this arbitrarily, a seven-year-old child is suffering from a rare blood disorder or a form of cancer that is not widely known. What they have is they have children that come from not only all over the country, but all over the world that have something similar. These children then can spend a week together. They don't feel as if they're the only person on the planet that's going through this trouble. They can relate to one another. They can share stories. They they have camaraderie. Importantly, that a lot of other programs maybe overlook is the fact that the caregivers, the siblings, the parents, the grandparents, they are the ones that are putting in 24-7, 365 as far as helping and putting in the care and they're emotionally tied and there's so much going on that they sometimes need a little break or some time for themselves. And Camp Sunshine provides these families with a chance to talk to other families going through the exact same thing. And Tony had talked about how each week the camp hosts a particular disease, disorder, what have you. So like like affected individuals are all there together and they can truly work together and they come away with lifetime networks. And that's what makes this such a a beautiful, impactful situation. Right. And it is a systemic way of giving. I mean, they they include the entire family, the entire caretakers. So it gives them all a break. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. about not just from certain areas or certain states they've reached out to 27 countries that's right countries. like it's everywhere right so and they've i mean it's all on the website you can read mm-hmm. all about it but they've helped over 50,000 individuals with support through this yeah. so it's big it, yeah it's really important so if you would this is a really important thing to us yes are we going to have a chance to go out and have some fun and meet great new people and see beautiful roads yes we 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 know that but we are doing this to benefit this this particular organization and we would love if you can pass along some of your support uh, it goes to these kids and just we get to go to the camp one of the days we actually stop at camp sunshine we're going to meet the kids and their families and we're looking forward to that so if you are so moved we would welcome the help to help these kids so scott 
let's say for today, we're going to wrap it up. We've got a lot of uh, interviews lined up for this uh, next three, four weeks. In fact, Sam and Lou, we talked about having the young guns with the, uh, the millennial muscle car fans. They have already put together their first mini episode. And uh, we and are, it is some good detail. Oh my gosh, I, I listened to it today over lunch, and it was I learned so much. So Sam and Lou have been hard at work on that. We're looking at having that, uh, putting that out mid July. It's on the schedule, so hang tight for that. And I think you're gonna really love it. This one's focused on Don Yanko, so you're gonna learn a lot about, about Corvairs, Camaros, Chevelles, Novas. Hang in there. It's it's gonna be really cool. And Yanko was the name. Of- <laughs> Oh my gosh. I think it's not too soon to simply say, let's cut this guy off and say, drive well, be well, take care.